Hello and welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. Today you're joined with your favorite Indigenous sisters, Alicia and... Lexi. And we have a special guest. Uh, her name is Jade Roberts and she is from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory. Um, so yeah, before we jump in, we'll get Lexi to do our favorite intro. Whoa! <laughs> I'm so excited. I got nothing in mind for today, so let's see what comes up. <laughs> This is the comeback show. Wow, today was bad. <laughs> Alrighty, well, well, that was great. So I just want everyone to sit down, grab your coffee, grab your tea, grab your Pepsi, uh, or your finest tap water. So this one goes out to all the cousins out there. Ooh, that was good. Not today. Wow, LaCroix. I know I was like tap water. I'm like like, drinking my LaCroix over here. Just putting a drink with a little fancy leaf in it. (laughs) Yeah, well, so today, yeah, so our special guest is Jade Roberts. So welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I've been excited to just connect with you guys. I know, Alicia, you were on my podcast, but it's it's not released yet. I'm still working on it. But yeah, I was just excited to have that conversation with you and and Tracy over on my show. And now here I am on yours. Yeah, so. I'm so excited. And that was such a good episode. And you were like super easygoing. And we had Hunter too on there. <laughs> he was like such a baby too. So it was really- yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think he was. I think he was like uh, maybe seven days old or something like that. And I was recording. I just had him like wrapped up on me. <laughs> um yeah so just kind of tell us about like where you're from what you do who's your mom who's your dad your cousins <laughs> uh, <laughs> well my name is jade roberts um i'm from lac Laurent indian band i grew up in lac Laurent, uh which is in treaty six territory but it's, it's quite far north um i'm a woodland cree woman and yeah i didn't like that's where I'm from. Uh, my mom. <laughs> my mom is. No, I'm kidding. I won't go into all those details. Um, too many cousins to name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I've been living in Saskatoon for about eight years now, and I I moved here and then went to university. I attended uh, the University of Saskatchewan, and I graduated in 2018 with my B. Ed. And then from there, I moved into teaching in the classroom. Um, had the opportunity or I have the opportunity to uh, teach a Cree language and culture program where I'm at and yeah do a bit of podcasting do a bit of art do do a little bit of everything yeah that's amazing were you gonna say something Lex did you hear me no oh I said oh what's your podcast about oh we're both just sitting here looking at her like uh, (laughs) Like, Uh, my podcast so it's called still here still healing and um I talk to residential school survivors and share their stories and just give them a platform to to share and just to educate people on like the impacts and the ongoing impacts of residential schools but really my show was started about two years ago um And it would just like came up as an idea. I had like this curiosity in me and I had all these questions because my dad attended residential school and he passed away when I was 16. And like at that time, I don't know for you guys, but like in elementary and high school, like did you learn about residential schools or? No. 
Yeah. So I feel like it wasn't like a thing that was taught or talked about really. I always knew like my dad went to a residential school, but I was like, didn't really understand what that meant. And so as I got older and like after he passed away, I started learning about these things. And especially when I entered university, I was like, oh, wow, like this is some real shit that we went through. (laughs) (laughs) um, So just as I like learned more and, um, you know, attended university and started learning about the history and all that. I I had all these questions and I was like, I wish I could ask my dad about like what he went through and like what his experiences were like. And um, I couldn't go to him, obviously. So that's kind of how the podcast started. I was like, I want to sit down with other survivors and just hear their stories and, and hear what they have to say. And it's really helped me to like connect to my dad in a sort of way. It helped me to like understand him a little bit better and understand our family a little bit better. So Mm -hmm. it's been a good experience. Yeah. That's amazing. I feel like I didn't find out about residential schools until like all of our relatives like started getting large sums of money. Mm And that was like grade eight. Well, I would have been in grade eight in like 2008, 2009 ish when I like that, uh, the apology from Stephen Harper and all that came out and like there was reparations being made and like that's probably when I first started really thinking about it as well and like grade eight that's what you're like 13 14 yeah young I yeah remember- like to not not have heard much about it before that I don't know mm-hmm. it was just yeah it's Especially- a weird time I'm like education is so different now mm-hmm I feel like I can really connect with that because I didn't hear about it until around that time too. And then my dad got a large sum of money and then gave me money for my first car and didn't really bat an eye about it. And then, or like understand what that meant. And then Mm -hmm. later on in university, I was like kind of putting the two pieces together. And I was like, this explains a lot about like my upbringing and how my dad moves through the world actually. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this makes a lot more sense now, but I'm also 20 and it mm-hmm. and maybe could have made more sense earlier on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, definitely that's how it was for me too. It's like I like knew that he went to a residential school but didn't know like how that affected him or how that affected our families or our communities mm-hmm. or anything. So, yeah, I I know that now and and I um I think a lot of people know that now, especially with education changing is like mm-hmm it's talked about a lot more in schools and I'm like this needs to happen yeah yeah like when I was younger I can so one of our aunties so we kind of grew up with her and she would always just show me you know she would always tell me these schools were bad these schools were bad and um you know she would touch her wrists and she would just say like bad things about it but we never kind of got into any more personal um you know she would never explain what that school was or what that place was. It was just bad. Um, and so that was kind of my only, like, understanding of what residential school was until, you know, I went to Tom Collegiate in Regina, and we had one Indigenous teacher, and uh, his name was Benjo, and he was the one that kind of touched on it. But, again, in, like, a high school level, it wasn't really taught too, too, too much. Um, and that was still at the time that you could choose social studies to Indigenous studies, or I guess in the term that they would call it Native studies at that time. And so you, it wasn't, uh, it was, what was that? You could choose to take it if you wanted. And I remember not really wanting to take 
uh, Native studies because I I didn't really understand like who I was as a Native person at that point. Like I was kind of more of like a shame, still kind of stuck in that. Um, and so I really wanted to take social studies because that's what all my friends were doing and most of my friends were white, right? Um, and my mom's like, no, you need to take this. Like this is like, this is our history. And so that was in grade nine, 10. And then uh, I didn't really learn too, too, too much about it. It wasn't until university that I started to really learn like the in-depths of it and to really start to like realize and again like with it all making sense like reflecting back on like our childhoods and our upbringings and it's like wow okay that makes a lot of sense to like why we might be the way that we are and like how our you know DNA is like woven with trauma and like how we you know have a different experience in you know our upbringings and our worlds compared to a lot of our other friends growing up and so yeah it, like I think it needs to be talked about and it needs to be like taught at a very young age so that people are understanding especially considering we are on treaty territory right like this was in like the home of the indigenous people so I'm confused on why it's not taught yeah and like isn't it crazy how we've just like gone this long not realizing like it's it's affected us like so personally and like Mm. our families so personally but we've gone this long without like talking about it or like even understanding that it Mm. it is what's affecting us it's like oh i have all this trauma where did it come from (laughs) (laughs) yeah when you can finally sit down and be like oh okay this is where it is from like we need to kind of we should probably unpack this and like maybe talk about like cycle breaking and like you know and so yeah like now understanding and like breaking these cycles and stuff like that and like to really understand that it's starting to change and it's starting to change with this generation and I feel like our next generation you know my son and your guys' future children if you guys choose to have children um will change right like I feel like our the next generation is gonna just be like uh you know whole like Mm -hmm. that's what my hope is like if you really think about it so like I was born in 94, the last school closed in 96. So we really are like this first generation that didn't have to attend. So it's Mm -hmm. like on us right now to like, we're carrying some of that trauma that our parents and our grandparents have. (laughs) 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 Sorry, there was anyone who's listening, a cat just walked across the screen and I was very shocked. (laughs) I was shocked too. I had no idea. I forgot Lexi had a cat. This is my roommate's cat, Beans, Mr. Beans, and he loves to pee on my bed, so typically he's not allowed in here. (laughs) Okay, I forgot what I'm saying. Damn, that kind of scared me. Um, But yeah, we are like the first generation to really like be unpacking this stuff like we're still so greatly affected but we are yeah unpacking it and breaking those Mm -hmm. cycles so yeah we're gonna see those changes reflected in like our children and our Mm -hmm. grandchildren um and that's the other thing about my podcast is i'm focusing a lot well this second season on my second season i'm focusing a lot more on intergenerational survivors and and what that looks like for us and like kind of the things that we face Mm -hmm. as um you know, the daughters and the sons of residential school survivors. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of what the second season is more focused on. I do have some survivor stories, but yeah, I want to like really bring up where we're at right now with people our age and what this generation looks like and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you've had some like amazing uh, speakers on your podcast so far, like you had Tristan DeRocher. 
mm-hmm. if I said his last name properly. Um, and then you've had you had Tracy on there. Um, who else did you have? And then I, I listened to the first season, but I am really bad with names. Um, so I did listen to the first season and <laughs> it's really good, but I, yeah, I kind of suck at names. So, um, I do apologize in advance for that one, but yeah, like li- if you guys are listening, um, definitely check out her podcast is still here, still healing on Apple and Spotify, all the platforms. And yeah, it's a very, uh, well put together podcast. She talks about it and it really like, it kind of, it reminds me of like what we're trying to do was like with those table talks of like what you would have been kind of talked about with like your family at like the kitchen table type thing where, you know, if they were at that moment, like to be able to share at that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on this second season, Tristan DeRocher, just, I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, he walked from LaRange to Regina this summer to raise mm-hmm. awareness for suicide. Um, and there was a bill that like didn't get passed for suicide prevention. It was a whole thing, but I have, I have a whole episode on it and just like, I want to feature youth that are just doing amazing, crazy things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm also trying to weave into this second season and, and moving forward. Um, I think it's important that we understand that we come from such a like traumatic history and, you know, a lot of struggles and there's that's ongoing. Like we're still facing a lot of those things, but I also want to like highlight the good that mm-hmm. you know our youth are doing or people like you guys starting this podcast and, you know, just highlight those things because we're doing so many amazing things too. We're not just our trauma. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's take it back to your little origin story because you right now with all of the things you've done as a human being has been like a part of a very long journey and long path. So maybe we should maybe look at a little bit of your origin and how growing up in LaRange was. Mm-hmm. And coming what? to the city. Cause I, I do know um, you moving for university and that was a really big uh, change for you and kind of like a culture shock. So yeah, maybe we can kind of touch a little bit about that and see yeah. Um, so growing up in Larange, like, yeah, it's a unique experience. It's um, it's a unique community. It's called a tri community. So we have um, a village, a town, and then our reserves. And so it's it's a unique experience growing up there. Um, you know, it's just a, a huge mix of people. And I feel like sometimes people. Um, you know, they associate LaRange with like just it's a reserve, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's um well, there is like reserves surrounding reserves and that's where I would be from. But um, it's just a huge mix of people. And it's a very it's a very different experience growing up there. But I'm so happy that that's like where I grew up. Um, <clears throat> definitely like more isolated. You know, it's not a city. Um, it's kind of like your last stop before getting anywhere further north with no grocery stores and and stuff like that. So um, we get we'll often get like people from uh, further north, northern communities coming into LaRange just to do their shopping and and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time, um, I guess like spir- if I'm talking about like culture and like spirituality and traditional knowledge and stuff like that, I didn't get a whole lot of that. Um, my dad was a Cree language speaker. However, he didn't speak it. Um, it's not something that he really passed on to me or my brother, um, unfortunately. However, when I was in elementary school, we had like 
quite an emphasis on Cree language. So that's kind of where I would have picked it up, like, you know, just simple things like greetings and numbers and colors and things like that, but not enough to speak it fluently, unfortunately. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now is like wanting to to rebuild that or I guess just build that and not rebuilding anything because I never had it to start with. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with like language. Um, in terms of culture, like fishermen and, you know, spending time in the bush and stuff like that. And my dad was huge into that. And so was my brother. Um, but like, I, I didn't take advantage of that really. And I wish I would have when I was younger, because now I'm older and I'm like, I want to go back to Lorange and I want to go fishing and I want to go camping and I want to do like all these things. I want to go like tan a moose hide and like... Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that here in the city and so that yeah moving to the city was definitely um I wouldn't say a struggle but like an adjustment Mm -hmm. so um moving here it's like I had to catch a city bus for the first time and that was like scary I was scared (laughs) and like that seems so simple but like I grew up in the bush and there's no buses (laughs) and just like I was also kind of afraid to not find friends or like people here. Um, But I'm glad like the university I went to and the program that I was in, I was in ITEP. um, I was able to meet so many indigenous people on that campus that just like really made Saskatoon feel like home for me. Mm -hmm. And like, those are connections that I still keep, you know, I, that's my community here now in Saskatoon. And obviously I've been here for eight years now and I, this is my my new community. Um, I try to get back home as much as possible, but that that's tough, especially with mm-hmm. COVID times. But oh yeah, did you always know that you were gonna move to go to school? Mm-mm. I didn't even like. I guess that's like another thing. Growing up in Larange is like I feel like it's really tough on youth. Like drinking culture is so um, normalized there, mm-hmm. and I was definitely part of that culture of drinking and being a young person like not really doing the best things uh not making the best choices Mm -hmm. and I did graduate from uh I graduated from high school a year early but from there I had no like aspirations I was like I'm gonna just do nothing now (laughs) like I I had nothing in my mind of like you're gonna go to university and you're gonna be like this great person I it was very hard for me to see myself beyond like LaRange and uh, very hard to see myself in any like situations like university or in a career Um, so yeah I it wasn't like a goal of mine to get out of LaRange so oh okay what what led you to graduate high school early like um before my dad had passed away I was like I'm going to graduate a year early so that I can just play hockey in my last like year of hockey. I was like a hockey player. I lived in Prince Albert for a little bit and played hockey there. Um, And before my dad passed away, I told him, I'm like, I'm going to graduate a year early. And so when he did pass away that year, I just did it. And I was like, that was the promise I kind of told him and like kept with him. So, I mean, so did you just have to like take more classes? Um, um, so in LaRange, they have an online school and they've always had an online school um, for people that live in more remote communities to take online classes. And so I just took online classes and I was just done. I was Amazing. Like, yeah. And then so when did you decide to go to university? When did that kind of come along? Um, 
Okay. Yeah. So I always told my mom worked at a school um, and my dad was also a teacher. And I always told them like, there's no way I will ever be a teacher. There's no <laughs> way I'm going to spend my whole life in school and then go to university, spend four more years in school and then go work in a school. I was like, that's, that's a no for me. <laughs> but I don't know what really changed. I was working um, at a youth center in La Ronge, Um and then I finally was like, you know what? I'm I'm sick of this like lifestyle that I'm. Can you guys hear me still? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my microphone cut out for a second. Oh. Um, but yeah, I was like stuck in this like I don't know. I didn't want to be be doing what I was doing anymore. So I was like, I'm gonna move to the city. My brother lives there. Um, I actually moved to the city before applying for school, and I ended up getting a job with the Boys and Girls Club. And so I was working at like the after school program and the before school program. And I started to really like kids. And I was like, this is, you know, this is nice. Kids are cool. <laughs> and <laughs> I just I had some friends that were in ITEP and they were like, you should apply. It's a great program. So I just did. And yeah, the rest was just like history from there. I'm like, OK, I'll be a teacher, I guess. I feel you on that kids thing. <laughs> I was like up until after university, I moved up to the lake kind of like north and my current work brings kids up there every summer for camp and I just got to like hang out with them while they're up there but I remember the first time they came up and I just kind of like looked at them and I was like what do teenagers even talk about <laughs> I was like how do I talk to them <laughs> and then after like a week of hanging out with like one group I'd be like I kind of like these kids like I'm, they're kind of cool actually I was like maybe, yeah. maybe when I move back home I could see that as like a quick job to have and then I got to Rangerlo and the rest is history. <laughs> we like those and, teachers. Yeah, kids just like win you over somehow. There's something about them. I don't know. They're really, they're special. But sometimes also I found, I find myself like talking like a teenager. <laughs> like I'm saying things like, that's cooked or you're, <laughs> smart, man, you're so sus. And I'm like, yes, I'm yes. an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same. So I'm like, you're around them so much and they like they have an influence on you <laughs> oh yeah they yeah. do and I used to work as a youth care worker as well um I used to just always talk like them and I'm like who the what you go yeah. talk to your adult friends and they kind of just like look at you like oh yeah the time, a lot of my friends were like university students like all writing like theses and stuff like that and I'd like I've been done school for how long and I'd like come and be like yo that's sus man and they're just kind of like <laughs> How old are you? girl out of the library? <laughs> the kids like called me bro all the time too, and I'm like, okay, bro. I'm like, let's go, my bros. And then and they say that to my friends, and I'm like, I don't speak like that. I promise you, like, I don't know who this is, but they're taking over my headspace right now. <laughs> I do it with my students all the time too. I just talk like them, or like, it's just it's relationship building with them, mm -hmm. right? Like. Yeah. It, they love that. They're like, oh my God, Miss Roberts is so cool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I am. You say I'm pretty deadly, okay? <laughs> um, what grades are you in? Oh, sorry, what? What grades are you in right now? Um, so I'm teaching half time this year. So I'm only teaching, I teach a grade two and three split class. I get to teach them art and I get to teach them Cree language and culture. And then I do the same for a grade four and five class. And then for grades six and seven, I just teach that class art. So I have three three classes. Um, yeah. And I'm only there. It's like 
I don't teach on Mondays. I have like Friday afternoons off. So it's pretty lax and like, I like it. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause like when we met, you were, you were just taking off the year because you had like finished university and then you went straight into teaching. And then that's when I'd kind of like, we had met at a, where were we? We were at, um, it was like a taking a global, taking a global. I don't know what it was though. It It was was like, like a little, uh, uh, what was it? It was something to do with like education. And we met with a bunch of other indigenous like educators. Future Pathways yes, it's called. Future Pathways. Yeah. Yes. And then we did the report. That's what we did. And so, yeah, Jade and I just happened to meet. We just happened to cross paths at that thing. And that's kind of how we've maintained a relationship. And we kind of check in on each other all the time randomly and stuff. And so. Um, well, we sat together for the first time. We sat together at the supper. Yeah. And I was like, this girl's cool. <laughs> Sitting there like t- and that's right when I um, had started the comeback and you were just launching Still Here, Still Healing and you were doing a podcast launch party. And that's yeah. when I was like, I was like, wow, I was like, she's doing a podcast. I was like, I feel like we could do that. And then I was like, ah, I don't think we could do that. And I was like, I don't think anyone would listen. And and then I was like, no, we can, we can do it. And so Jade has actually been like a really big help to the comeback podcast with like a lot of the questions. And I'd email, like I'd DM her on IG and I'm like, hey, what did what do you use for this? What do you use for this? Like, I'm so confused. And instantly she always responds back with like the proper question. So a lot of our, what we're doing right now is a huge shout out to you and like helping us like create that path. Um, <laughs> because yeah, it really like helped us. Cause we just kind of, we didn't really know what we were doing, but I like remember meeting you and uh, meeting everyone else. And I was like, yeah, we could totally do this. And then we figured it out. And then you had told me about like the roadcaster board to get and, and then the grant. And I was like, perfect. So yeah, it's amazing. I was so excited when you guys, or when you told me that you uh, guys were going to start a podcast, I was like, yes, I'm not going to be the only indigenous woman in Saskatchewan yeah. with a podcast. <laughs> like there's gonna be more we need this yeah we need and like it is so cool to like see and like the podcast like I absolutely love it like it's a very like like it's you know me and my sister we can't really see each other with COVID right now and like we get to hang out and we get to connect with so many cool people too and like you just get to hang out and like like Lexi and I think in the other episode we were like why didn't we start this like a long time ago like this is like it's amazing so if any listeners want to ever start a podcast jump in do it if you have questions ask us uh we're definitely available to help you with what we know and yeah just we would say do it just start a podcast and just go for it yeah i've definitely seen the like indigenous podcast community grow in the past two years which is amazing Mm -hmm. because when i first started i felt like i was so like alone in saskatchewan Mm -hmm. like i knew there was other indigenous podcasters like in the u.s and in ontario but i was like there's literally nobody doing any podcasts in saskatchewan um and then i actually joined on to the saskatchewan podcast network And they're pretty new as well. And they just like, it's just a platform. They have a website where they just um, share all the podcasts in Saskatchewan. And I was looking at my, like looking through there and I was like, okay, I still like know people of color, just, you know, Um, (laughs) anyways, I went to this event and uh, it was like a podcast meetup thing. And I was sitting in there. I went, I drove to Regina actually. And I was there um, by myself and I literally looked around the room and it's like all men. And I think there was one black lady and me and there was a couple other women, but like it was mostly white men that are Mm -hmm. podcasting in Saskatchewan. And I'm like, that's great, but we need some more representation. Yeah. Um, 
so that's when I really realized like, okay, we need to like get some more people on board. And like, I've seen a couple pop up, like you guys popped up. Um, Mylan Tatusis has the radical narrative. Oh yeah. Uh, Foxing around too just popped um, up. Yeah. So there's been a couple as of recently just here in Saskatchewan and I'm like, yes, we need this. We should start our own network. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the community's growing. I've, I've seen it growing. So it's there, awesome. Um, I swear that there's somebody. So we had just chatted with somebody from uh, Victoria, BC yesterday. We're going to do a podcast with them. He is uh, indigenous as well. Um, and he had said that he had saw, he had heard of us through indi- an indigenous podcast network. Somebody shared our, somebody shared the CTV interview and shared it to this platform and that's where he said that we that's where he had found our news article was on an indigenous platform uh podcast platform so i was trying to google it today to see um so maybe if not we should just start a facebook page and just I'm, uh sorry there is one actually but it's not a net it's not a network i would say mylan invited it invited me to it as well but it was just kind of a conversation they were having and it's was mostly people who do like the Facebook live type of oh, podcasting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So I don't know if it was like exclusive to those people that like do the video thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like I'm totally not into doing the like live or the video thing. I'm like, no, thank you. That'll yeah. look like Miss Trenchbolt while we do this. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who can't see me, which is all of you, I look like that teacher off Matilda right now with my top bun. What's what's your name? <laughs> yeah, so we should definitely look into even just like connecting with all the other podcasters and like kind of creating like our own little uh, community and just getting yes. other people to like come together. So podcast where we get all the indigenous podcasters on one podcast and we have a little game show. Oh my goodness! Could you imagine? <laughs> come on down. <laughs> Could you imagine literally and I know this other girl too from Saskatchewan she um she's doing she did Paris week or Paris fashion Chelsea I believe reset maybe I don't know I could be wrong um so I really suck at names I'm so sorry you guys uh, but she um yeah so she did Paris fashion week like indigenous fashion week in Paris a couple of years and she kind of organizes that whole thing but she had messaged me I have her on snapchat and she was like hey I want to start a podcast too she's like I'm looking for a co-host and she's like let me know how everything goes and I was like amazing like I was like I'm so excited for you I just want you to like succeed so do it let me know if you need a host holla <laughs> I think it's like so important to have like not only the representation but the content in the space because even like looking back at all of our upbringings it's like obviously a lack of culture and for me and Alicia people that like look at like us and so it's like where do where do we turn to like when I first found the indigenous podcast realm I was like binging like welfare culture red man laughing like all of these indigenous podcasts and then I was like oh I kind of feel like I'm home like this like feels like a space for me or me to explore this like part of myself and now they're just popping up everywhere and that's awesome mm-hmm. i think it was really like connie walker from the cbc who does um missing and murdered um mm-hmm. killed alberta williams and uh finding cleo yeah those like really put me on to like i'm gonna start a podcast someday mm-hmm. and just to see like an indigenous woman like talking about those issues on the cbc was was cool i'm like that's that's dope mm-hmm. that's amazing did you listen to what was it? Talks with my ma or something? Yes. Coffee with my ma. Yeah, I love that one. 
Yes, I listened to that one too. I love her stories. Those are like the best. Her mom's so funny. (laughs) I downloaded them all before I went up north last summer. And I just remember like begging ice for the store and like listening to like coffee with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) There was another podcast out from, uh, it was, I think right out of the University of Saskatchewan. Oh. Um, It was an indigenous podcast. But yeah, I used to listen to them too. I used to listen when I would drive up and uh, back and forth from Saskatoon. Yeah, I heard that like the school division I'm working for is creating one too. It's like um, a couple of indigenous people who work for the division are going to be talking about how like to create safer spaces for indigenous students to learn. Mm. I'm excited to hear that one. I think it'll be good. And like, I try to bring it into my classroom as well like how can I bring like I'm thinking about just bringing my mic into my classroom and being like let's record yeah. <laughs> but no uh because I'm teaching art right so mm-hmm. I've been thinking um in drama like they create like a story and like uh, a narrative and then they can record themselves and you know tell stories in mm-hmm. this way and I think um like podcasting it's such a good way to tell stories right and mm-hmm. Um, even if it doesn't get put on a platform or anything, it would just be fun to like share with your family or, or friends or classmates or whatever. So I'm going to try to get my students involved a little bit and see how they like it. That would be amazing. I think that would be like, you know, to show them that they're, that there's like this, like it's a different form of art mm-hmm. and it would be achievable and it's a, it's a form of expression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, obviously, like shows like mine and yours, they're like interview type shows. But um, I think like you can also find podcasts that are like it's somebody telling a story, mm-hmm. like narrating a story. Or sometimes I listen to ones that are like the meditative, like fall asleep ones. And it's like a bedtime story. Yeah. So I want to like bring it to my students in the way that like, you know, make up a story or read a story in this way and just like share it in that way. So Um, And so what would you say, like, for your kind of, like, your podcast and your beliefs of, like, sharing a story, what is, like, kind of the more, um, what kind of goes into that and why is it important for you to to share these stories right now? Um... That's a loaded question, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could unpack that and slowly answer. <laughs> what does storytelling mean to you? That right now. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, that's okay. We could just um we could pass. But just like re- <laughs> can you say it again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what does storytelling mean to you? <laughs> Let's just do that. <laughs> um, it means. A couple things to me, but in the way that I do it on my podcast is sharing stories um, about true history. Um, I know there's like different ways to tell stories. They might be like our oral traditions or um, whatever it may be. But the way that I do it is to share true history Mm -hmm. in the form of a story. And that's through like people's lived experiences and I just, yeah, I value that so much because I wasn't alive at that time. There's so many people that weren't around at that time. And to just have stories from different parts of history is really cool to me. I've always like really loved history and to have that firsthand, like right in your ear, you know, in your car playing, it's somebody that like lived in this time in history that has an important story to share. Mm-hmm. So that's how I view it through my podcast. Yeah, that's and, amazing. Like, 
really important because ultimately residential schools are going to be affecting us for like many more generations to come. Not that we want them to. I think that's just how it's going to go. And so it's cool that we'll be like somebody will be able to like look back, reflect on your podcast and realize that like we're writing our own narratives. Mm -hmm. We're now telling history from our point of view. For sure. And like, I also wanted my podcast to be like for families, you know, I, I want all the survivors that come on my show to have this like piece of um, this oral evidence to, you know, share with their family members long after they have passed on. So yeah, they can look back and say like, oh, my great, great, great grandma went to residential school and like her story's recorded on this podcast. Let's like listen to it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Because the internet's only, like, it's just going to continue to evolve, right? And so we're, like, you know, our future is going to be able to see. And, like, you know, at the click of our fingers, we can have anything in, like, the universe. We can look up anything, right? And so having our podcast available on these, like, platforms, in these spaces, uh, and easy access to, like, a cultural component. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know what's so cool? Not a lot of people know this about me, but my mom is uh white and black Mm -hmm. so our black family settled here in saskatchewan in like 1910 and they moved from the u.s and i have this audio recording of my great grandpa like speaking about what it was like living here in saskatchewan as a black man and i listen to it all the time and i'm like this is like i never got to meet him but this is so cool that i have this audio recording to like listen about our history and like about his life that's, That's amazing. So cool. Where did you find, like, where did your family, did your family have it or? Yeah, so I have, we don't know like a whole lot about our history. Um, it's something that's like an ongoing like investigation for us. Um, and like, I do quite a bit of research on it and even just about like black history in Saskatchewan. Um, but my cousin's wife is also very interested in like our history. So she has been doing some digging and a couple of years ago, I think she went to like the archives at the U of S and found it in there. So I don't know where it came from, when it was recorded, but it it was there and it was so cool. That is amazing. That's like a piece of history, right? And like a piece of your identity is like being played. I think that's, that's so fan, like fantasized. (laughs) See, and that's what I want for like people years from now to see my past and be like, God, my great, great, great grandma. Like, this is so cool. I get to hear her voice, you know. Mm. It's definitely like a different, like, you know, bringing in our oral traditions of like storytelling and then uh, our voices are, you know, are so powerful and each of our voices are so unique and being able to like have this on a platform um, where it's just had the click of our fingers and we can press play, right? Like I was missing Lexi the other day and I, I don't know, I was missing her. <laughs> and missing her. Just missing her, okay. <laughs> but and so me and Hunter were like laying on the ground, Joel was working late and I was just like really missing Lex and I just started, cause like, well, this was the day that you got your tree planting job and I was like, oh man, like I'm really missing her. And so... <laughs> But um, I like I just, <laughs> okay, 
know. I was missing my sister. Okay, leave me alone. Okay, I'm going to stop talking about that. Okay, next. But I was I was like, you know what? I'm just going to press play. And I just listened to our episode that we did where it was the sister talks adapt or die. And I just pressed play. And then I texted Lexi. And I was like, I missed you. I just listened to our like our episode. And I was like, when you leave, I'm just going to continue to play it. Well, you will be number one on the podcast chart when I leave because I'll be in the bush and you'll just be replaying them. <laughs> I'm just missing my sis, okay? <laughs> a thousand plays. Oh, that was like 998 of them were Alicia. <laughs> we actually don't have any viewers. It's just me. <laughs> That's like when you post to your Snapchat story or something like that and you just like rewatch it over and over and you're like, incredible. <laughs> Beautiful content. Amazing. Um, so I guess like with... Was there any point in your university or with the podcast where you just kind of wanted to like, um, just say like, give up and you're just kind of like, ah, like, I don't want to continue to do this. And if so, what did you kind of tell yourself to kind of push yourself to challenge yourself to kind of keep going and to, you know, do what, you know, to, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yes, there's been lots of times where I just want to give up and say like, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's been lots of times where I want to give up and just say like fuck it. Like yeah. I'm I'm done and I do so much work and especially with podcasting it's like this is not a paid gig for me, you know? Mm -hmm. I do it because it's important. I do it because like it's something I'm passionate about. Um so yeah, I've definitely even with just the podcast, I've been like after season one, I was like, I'm done. It's exhausting. And like, especially with finding residential school survivors, I'm like, it's hard. There's not a lot of people ready to like talk. There's also a lot of people who don't know what the hell podcasting is, especially the older generation. So mm -hmm. if I say like, hey, want to come? What's that? <laughs> oh, it just, it, just so it froze there. So my bad. Um, it, you were at the part where you wanted, you were asking them to come onto the podcast. Oh, yeah. So sometimes I'll ask like older people to come on the podcast and they don't know what that is or what that means. So I was just at a point where I was like, okay, season one was I found four survivors. We got four stories. Four is a good number, man. That's mm -hmm. sacred. We're just going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I stopped with four survivors and I was like, we're just going to end it here because I'm done. I can't find any more. And like, it's exhausting having to set stuff up. And like, yeah, I was kind of like thinking about just being done after one season. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, all right, how can I adapt this so that I can keep it going? But like, it doesn't have to be all about residential school survivors. That way I don't have to find so many of them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how season two like adapted into let's tell more youth stories. Let's tell more intergenerational survivor stories. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just like it. I kept going because I knew there's an importance here. There's been so many people that like reach out to me and say like, what you're doing is amazing and it's needed. And so that's kind of what drives me is like, okay, people are liking the podcast. People are enjoying it. Um, and just like, I want to keep providing a platform for indigenous people. And like, yeah, that's what keeps me going, I guess. But there's been many, oh, sorry, what? Sorry. Do you ever find at like any point, like hearing all these stories that like they hold like heavy with you or that it's like, that's like a hard component of what you're doing yeah um yeah I I struggle sometimes I'm like it would have been 
last year I was like recording with somebody. I think it was Louise half her story. And um, I was recording with her and she was discussing about like her journey in therapy and counseling. And like, she talked, she was very like honest about, um, you know, things that she's done in her past and, and the types of like behavior that she um, displayed for like her children and her partner. And she wasn't proud of those things. And she talked about like how she um, started healing from that and moving forward. And then I left that session recording session with her that day. And I was like, wow, like I need to go to counseling. (laughs) I was like, I was like, (laughs) I was like, how, like, how am I, how do I have a podcast called still here, still healing, but I'm not like doing anything. (laughs) So I was like, it's time to, you know, do some of that work. And that's kind of what pushed me to, yeah, go to therapy, seek professional help. And, um, I'm glad that I'm doing it and I'm glad that I like had this push to do it. And yeah, but sometimes, yeah, the stories are just heavy. It is a lot sometimes. And like, it's sad. Um, but I try to like, I don't know. I don't know. At the same time, it's important work. In these yeah. Stories. Yeah. Yeah. Like who else is, you know, out there right now that is doing it and you bring like such a vital, you know, you bring a different, uh, perspective to it and so even though it might weigh heavy like you're still you're doing an amazing thing by making yourself you know feel uncomfortable in those moments and taking that on and then you know still working and still being deadly <laughs> but yeah I think that's why like I also I take my time with my podcast like mm-hmm. um I don't try to push content out and I don't try to like meet a weekly goal or like a month or I do try to do one a month, but even sometimes I miss that mark and I'm like, you know what? That's okay. This is heavy stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like, it's also just a lot of work on my end. So I try not to like, you know, push myself um, in that way. And I kind of know when I need to like take a step back or if I'm feeling, I have really bad anxiety. I struggle from anxiety. And if I'm feeling that way, then I just like will reschedule or I'll say like, I'm not, not ready to take on your story because I'm Mm -hmm. not in the right headspace to to carry anyone else's stuff so and that's amazing that you're able to like recognize that because i feel like there's a lot of you know society has made us like feel like if you start something you kind of need to like you know keep doing it and so being able to recognize that and respecting your mental health and respecting your spirit and your mind um and being able to you know create those boundaries for yourself while still doing something really great i think is really admirable thank you yeah, you said that right. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I just like, I feel the need to to take that space. And as much as I like tell myself or like feel guilty about for like being, taking a break, I feel guilty a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're so right. Like you need, you need to, it's like, you need to have those boundaries with yourself. That's what capitalism wants us to feel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know but we're meant to rest. Like, yeah, I think winter months are especially meant to rest traditionally. Maybe Mm -hmm. that ties into my next question. As far as like culture goes, you said you weren't like growing in up in LaRange wasn't the space where that came about. Um, Did you find a lot, a lot more cultural content and like those pieces of your identity through ITEP or 
Yeah. So I don't know, like if either of you or anybody listening has heard of ITAP, but it's the Indian Teacher Education Program at the University of Saskatchewan. And that literally changed my life. Like, Mm -hmm. not even joking. I'm like, as soon as I entered ITAP, it was like, that's family. That's like, I'm around all Indigenous people. Uh, All the content is like Indigenous content, all the texts and like the literature we're reading is from Indigenous people. And there was so much um, push to like take pride in who you are and uh, take pride in your identity. And then they also just like offer you that space to do that. And I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like learning about myself. And like, I just loved it. I loved every minute of ITEP and like, uh, yeah, I learned so much there and I learned so much about myself and I, they just like, yeah, they provide the space. Like I went to my first round dance. I, um man started like really wanting to like learn my language I started learning about uh history of residential schools I started learning about like uh traditional games and just like building community and yeah it was amazing and I like will always cherish my moments in university because of that and I'm also just really lucky in the position that I'm in as a teacher um you know I attended my first sweat as a teacher I um, have two elders that I like are my go-tos all the time because of my teaching position Um, all sorts of things I tanned my first moose hide because of my first year teaching so like just so much I have these opportunities that just like come to me that I'm so grateful for because they're helping me like lead me to really like who I am my identity and my culture and my language Mm -hmm. and I've heard you guys like talk about before like everything kind of happens for a reason and you're like Mm -hmm. meant to be where you're supposed to be and yeah I feel that way I think it's like hard to understand or comprehend for others like how important like finding your indigenous identity is and having Mm -hmm. like spaces like explore those things and like how much that like plays into your own livelihood and like this idea of like belonging and understanding who you actually are and so Mm -hmm. And like, I can just say like, you know, for, for me, because, you know, I shared prior that like, I had a really rough, not only upbringing, but I, I had acted out in ways that reflected the way that my life ended up. And that was a hundred percent because I did not know who I was. And I was like trying to fill this void. And, and once I started to, you know, I found these spaces, um, with people that looked like me and with people that could be related. Um, and like, I just kind of started to really create these like bonds of other indigenous people. And then I started to, you know, get invited to ceremonies and started to really figure out who I was. And then that's when my life and like my mindset changed of like, okay, like I can't be angry anymore. Okay. I can't be, you know, upset. Like I need to, what happened happened, but this is because of intergenerational, right? Like this is not because of one person. And now that I'm finding these other people, I can like make relationships and like connect with these people. And then it like, it showed me who I was and then being confident in myself as an indigenous person. Um, and then growing through that. And so like, you know, that school, like ITEP that you went to and being able to like find that connection and like, it, it's crazy what culture can do and like how much it changes your life. Yeah, I agree. I was the same way. It's like, you need that piece of yourself to like, mm-hmm. just be a good person and like move in a good way. Mm-hmm. 
Also, okay, this is on kind of the same note, but a different note. I'll put it in our Instagram thing for this episode, but this is what it reminded me of. Oh, can you guys see this? Tap on your screen. Go closer. These are the girls. (laughs) When you pick all your own berries, tan your own hides, and put up your own teepees. Yes. That is a... you're like i tell my first moose i i have a meme for that (laughs) yeah you'll have to do that um we should just take a picture for our podcast one where we're all like this (laughs) okay one second i'll do it one second okay guys we're just taking a pic real quick (laughs) holy lexi you're just strong did you see (laughs) holy shit I like to climb. Did you see Gut. her bicep there? He <laughs> <laughs> was just real flexing, auntie. All those TV pools. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. I've never put up a TP, so I would like to learn. But I, I think I participated once in a... You put 13 up, I know that, and then you... Glen Memorial. Yeah. They always put me on the, like, you know, to do the, the things. They oh, put you on, you the, put stick. on the stick. You you go the, on. the smallest person. <laughs> you can go over here. <laughs> We're definitely. Yeah, I, I participated a couple times and then, like, I used to have a mini teepee that I, I had made for my classroom and we would put it up in my classroom. But the full size ones, damn, those are, those are some big. Those are old. big. You a lot of prayers for those ones. <laughs> Um, alrighty. Well, we kind of have to cut this episode short. It is 528 PM. Um, we had no idea this, this conversation has been so good and I definitely want to invite you back and we can kind of just connect again and just kind of see where we both are, especially with our shows and just in our personal lives. And, um, yeah, so I just really extend my biggest heart to you for coming on my biggest heart. I don't know. I just love that you came. <laughs> a big thank you. <laughs> I understand. Big heart for Jane. <laughs> Major heart eyes. Okay. For Jane. <laughs> We're professional podcasters. Oh my yes. goodness. Yeah. All three of us. Yeah. Just wait, like, wait until you hear the next, like, the episode that is airing before yours. You just got to listen to me. I'm just going to air it anyways. But, honey, let me tell you, sleepy mom is a, uh, is a, mom brain is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to Tracy's episode. It was amazing. I oh, love her. What the hell? How is she? She's 21. I, right? Like, killing it. It is, like, I'm still so, I'm just like, wow, you're 21. I love you. Like, amazing already well okay yeah. thank you guys for having me yes and so plug good. your so still here still healing podcast on apple and spotify and any other follow me on instagram at jade r with three r's 94 also check out my website www.jadelevyroberts.com Ooh. okay lexi close us out i have to say goodbye yeah Thanks for coming to our short show where we sat with our friend Jade. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And talk to you guys next week. Have a good night.